You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm not a believer in trying to become confident and making your inner critic go away because it's connected to your safety instinct. That's not going away. And I need to know that if I'm taking emotional risks, I'm going to hear from it loudly and I can allow it to be there and hear it and name it for what it is, but I'm not going to take direction from it. Hey, thanks for listening. This is U-Turns, a podcast that talks about change. Today we're talking about change, but sometimes our shifts are a little too small, those shifts that happen. Today we want to take it to the next level. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig, and we are joined by Tara Moore. So happy to have you with us, Tara. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you. From San Francisco, um, Tara is the author of Playing Big. Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. And she has a uh, leadership program for women, also called Playing Big. And it, you know, as it sounds, it's it's all about helping women reach their full potential. Um, and, you know, as Lisa was saying, we talk about change and life transformation. And those are moments when, I can attest to this, you sometimes want to curl up in a ball and make yourself as small as possible and plot, you know, a way to deal with this that will just kind of get you out of here. Little steps, you know. Measuring your life out in teaspoons. In teaspoons. Um, but you're, you argue for a way more expansive, um, ambitious approach. Tell us about that. Why at a time of change would it be a good time to play big? Right. Well, whether that time of change came because of an external circumstance, right? Sometimes it's a layoff or a change in family situation, or sometimes the change comes because we can just feel the old shoe no longer fits. It really is getting tight and uncomfortable and has to change, right? That's a time, I think, to really look inward to listen to our own longings, desires, dreams. It's like it can be a beautiful blank canvas time to ask ourselves afresh, what do I really want? What do I know brings me the most joy and meaning? And how can I start to build my life or my work more all around that? Those are very big questions, though. I mean, some of the, I think sometimes that can be, those big questions can be scary. Um, and you offer some great tools for, for making the questions themselves a little less overwhelming. Yeah, I think a great place to start uh, is with something that I call the inner mentor. And, you know, especially for us women, most of us have been encouraged to find really great mentors. And the idea there is that, right, the right mentor can give us the answers for where we're going next and can help us solve those practical dilemmas and uh, about what, what direction to take next. And sometimes we find a mentor who we can have those really 
special conversations with. But I find that women say most of the time, you know, I never found that mentor that could show me really what direction was right next for me. Um, and, uh, and often they know what's right for their journey, but not for mine. And so there's a tool we use in the playing big model called the inner mentor. And the idea is that you can start to get a sense of who you want to be 20 or 30 years out in the future, and then relate to that figure like a, a mentor. And it's such a powerful way in terms of making this practical, if you're in a transition point and sometimes even when the inner mentor is just reinforcing what we already knew, she can do it in a way that it like, it gives us a new space to accept the answer or really start to feel its truth. And then other times there is a huge perspective shift. And this happens all the time Mm. for women um, that I'm working with where, you know, they feel the answer to something is super unclear or they feel a problem is really complicated. Mm. And then they make contact with, and all we're doing when we make contact with our inner mentor, we're getting in touch with our own clearest wisdom, really. It's, she's just kind of a metaphor for that. And often there is a huge perspective shift. Oh, the answer was actually so simple, you know, once I heard it from that place in me, or I have now there's clarity around something that I didn't have clarity around before. Um, and should we should we do a little bit of this visualization now? Sure, sure. Give it a try? Yeah, take us yeah. through it. That'd be great. If you want to do this visualization and meet your future self, we'll have it at the end of this episode. It's a bonus. So uh, there are some style details to my future self that I got kind of stuck on. One is <laughs> yes. that she was wearing a jacket that I wear now that I really love. And I think mm. it's because, like, that is so me to, in 20 years be still yes. owning and wearing the same green mm, army jacket. No, no it totally You is. have such a fabulous wardrobe. I imagine it would be totally but, updated in 20 years. You know what? The, that jacket will still be there. Okay. Some things won't, but that jacket will still be there. I come from a long line of people who hang on to the things that they love. And so, but the, I think the other, it, it's not so much the answer that I got. It was just that this... Um, this future self was just so nice to me. You know, there was no, like, shake you by the shoulders. There was no, come on, Jill, kick it into gear. You can do it. She's your inner mentor, not your inner critic. Well, (laughs) you know, I guess we should move on to the inner critic because that comes up in in your book, Tara. But, you know, there was a, a sense of it's actually okay. The way you're handling this right now is actually okay. And, and think, things will come of this, even if it doesn't seem incredibly clear. And I am somebody who has sort of marched through 25 years of a career, just sort of following, you know, with one offer following the next. And um, it's been, you know, sometimes I feel like I've been kind of dragged behind the truck of my, of this career. And now it's set me loose. And, and I'm just kind of walking along, exploring and figuring things out. But I've doing that visualization and as I've said before on this podcast, I'm not a terribly woo-woo person, so it sort of surprises me that this um, that this stuck in this way. But it, I feel like she was saying, "You're actually you are moving forward. You, yeah. it's, you're moving yeah. you're moving towards something. And when you get to be where I am, you're gonna kind of you're gonna kind of shake your head at how much you worried about this." Mm, yes, yeah, yeah, and that is also a theme we see a lot with the inner mentor, it's a very calm voice. It's a very loving voice. And, um, there's a lot of serenity often. And, and what's, as you're saying, you kind of can feel the serenity. Whereas if someone else on the street said to you, it's going to be fine, you know, this just, just don't worry about it so much. You'd be like, that would not affect your state. Right. But there's something about meeting. I've had a lot of people say that to me. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and, um, and I, and actually sometimes it makes my heart rate go up when they're like, it's going to be fine. The other thing I hate is I can't wait to see what you do next. People say it it's out of such a good place. Just and say, thinking, don't well, hold your I, breath. I can't wait either. <laughs> I actually <laughs> It'll can't. be great right. when we can both right. see it. Yeah. And I will say to add yeah. about the style details, because for anyone listening who is doing that with us, you probably also, you know, maybe there were some, whatever, some earrings that caught your attention or why was she wearing those shoes or whatever. And you can really interpret this almost like a dream, you know, where the imagery has meaning. So for that green jacket, it sounds like it has some really rich meaning for you, whether in terms of holding on to things you love or your family legacy you mentioned, Mm. or 
however you feel in that jacket or whatever qualities you'd associate it with. And as a symbol, we'd then say that tells you about where what wants to come out from you more. And mm. so when you're looking at that more authentic, actualized inner mentor self, you know, that inner, whatever that green jacket is associated with for you is part of the energy of, of where you're headed. Okay. So, so then now let's talk about the inner critic because yes. she comes up in your book a lot and she yes. is not as nice. <laughs> yes, she's not as nice. And the inner critic is, you know, for, in many ways for me where this work started because 10 years ago I had started uh, coaching women and I didn't know what the focus of that coaching work would be. I just knew I wanted to work with women around their inner lives and how their their beliefs and their inner work could impact their leadership in the world. But very quickly, I saw this pattern that was so distressing. And the pattern was that all my clients were what I call brilliant women, you know, capable, hardworking, insightful. They were also conscientious and ethical. Like these were the kind of people that we all want to see in charge, right? And that we all would benefit so much and our world would benefit so much if they were in charge. And I was so inspired by how awesome and capable they were. And yet over and over again, I was hearing from them, well, I'm not ready yet to take that step. Or if that was a good idea, wouldn't someone else have done it? (laughs) Or why would they create that job for me? Or um, I need to get a PhD before I can say anything on that topic. You know, all these kinds of inner critic narratives. And so I got really interested in what is that inner critic voice and why do we have it? And then most importantly, what can we do about it? All right. Well, after the break, I want to I know that last part. Great. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Before the break, we just started touching on the inner critic. And before we delve into what to do about it, I actually do want to 
talk a little bit about where it comes from, because literally I think almost everyone has it to one degree or another. It's not just your brilliant women clients. And I think there's some evolutionary advantage for millennia to stop us from just acting on impulse all the time because the way we were we survived is that we were societies and the way that you interact in society is to have certain guidelines and modes of behavior. And when you're going to step outside of those expectations, the people who had those restraints survived and didn't get cast out of the group or stoned or whatever. So the inner critic, I think, evolved from a survival standpoint, but surviving isn't necessarily thriving. So I I just wanted to explore that a tiny bit too. Exactly. We think about it very much the same way in the playing big model. So we talk about this safety instinct that we all still have, right? That is a very ancient primal part of us that doesn't want us to come to any risk or harm. And that instinct was originally developed in us to ensure our physical safety, right? Mm -hmm. So it's watching out, are there threats on the horizon? Is there a predator? And, and because of that, it's very useful for that safety instinct to be very hypervigilant and very conservative. If there's any possible danger, it wants us to, you know, go into fight or flight, make sure we don't come into contact with it. The problem is we still have that safety instinct, even though we don't face most of us, thankfully don't face many physical dangers on an everyday basis, like that we need to be hypervigilant about, right? And that safety instinct still fires when we encounter an emotional threat. Hmm. So an emotional threat is a, is, it brings those same feelings of fear and vulnerability, but what's at stake is not, are we going to be eaten by a predator, but am I going to feel embarrassed? Am I going to feel the pain of rejection? Am I going to be ostracized from the group or criticized in some way? And the safety instinct will do everything in its power to try and get us to not take emotional risk. But how can you have a life and career you love without taking emotional risk? How do you even ever raise your hand in a meeting and share an idea that no one else has said yet, right? How do you make a change? All those things involve emotional risk. So the safety instinct is trying to get us to not take emotional risks. And and I believe that the inner critic is just a strategy that our safety instinct is using. Hmm. In other words, if you're saying, Jill, maybe you're saying, okay, I'm really going to go out of my comfort zone and I'm going to go a whole new direction in my career and, you know, go into a new industry. Safety instincts like, "Mm, I don't like that idea very much, right? That could bring some painful moments, but you might not listen to your safety instinct if it was that transparent. And so instead it puts on this sophisticated costume of your inner critic and instead will say, who do you think you are? You don't have any relevant expertise. What could you possibly have to bring for that? It's way too late to make that change. All these more intimidating narratives that are much more likely to get the safety instincts goal met, right? Have you Mm -hmm. shrink right back into the comfort zone? So yes, I think it has a lot to do with survival, safety, fear, and that difference, as you said, Lisa, between just surviving and avoiding what is perceived as emotional danger versus really thriving and fulfilling our potential. Because she's so sneaky and tricky and isn't coming right out and saying, don't do this or you will die. Which would be easier to look at and say, oh, don't be ridiculous. Way easier. How do you deal with a sneaky, manipulative inner critic? Right. Well, the first thing is you become aware in this way. And I think every everyone on the planet, but especially women and girls, we need an inner critic 101 training. We're like, oh, right. Everyone has this voice. This is what it is. So we can be conscious about it because I can't tell you, you know, as I go about and do my work, how many women raise their hand and they're like, that's not my inner critic. That's me. That's the way my brain sounds. Mm. So we have no consciousness of this or that's reality. That's how reality sounds. So we can learn, okay, it's one voice in me. It's not all of me. That's a big point in itself even if it's taken over for now. It's just one voice. It is rooted in the safety instinct. It's not going away. We can talk about this, but I'm not a believer in trying to become confident and making your inner critic go away because it's it's connected to your safety instinct. That's not going away. So it's not going to go away. And I need to know that if I'm taking emotional risks, I'm going to hear from it loudly. And I can allow it to be there and hear it and name it for what it is, but I'm not going to take direction from it. 
you say as a detail that you should actually name this inner critic lady? It can be really fun to think about, okay, what does your inner critic say? What are the, some of the things? And for some people, it's a male that, you know, they associate with a male figure, some female, but think about what does the inner critic sound like in my head? What do they say? And then if I were to personify that in a character, what would that character be? And what does yours look like? And what is, what's her name? <laughs> well, I have a few, and this also happens like in different domains of our lives, right? So I've definitely got like a stay at home mom who, you know, thinks that to be a good mother means you find every aspect of parenting like infinitely joyful and interesting down to like every diaper change. And so she's always, you know, got a narrative going about why don't I, you know, why don't I love packing lunch every day or whatever. Yeah. Mm, such a joy. And then I've got, <laughs> I would say like an Ivy League professor one, you know, that is because I came from a more, in many ways, a more left brain, traditional educational environment, there's always the one that's like, that's too woo woo, or that's naive, you know, it's policing me in that way. Mm. Um, So there's, yeah, there's a couple. But what's so powerful then about having that character is it really gives us in a visual way, a sense that this is not the core of me. This is a voice that invades my thinking. It's not me. And then also it can add some humor and lightness, right? Because once you see sort of the ridiculousness of how this character shows up and, and, and kind of how they appear, you can start to take the voice a little less seriously. I mean, sometimes you're up against big societal criticism, big societal, um, expectations, norms, limited views of who you are and how you fit in. Um, Those are not inner. Those are outer. Any thoughts about those? Yeah, a couple. So one, um, what I've found is that we all have an inner critic, but our culture and our specific biography impacts what the inner critic says to us. So if, for example, from your from your outer, you know, your, your culture, your family, you've been given the message of a good daughter is this, or a good mother is this, that will impact what your inner critic says to you. So you can look at how did the outer voices impact this inner critic? What have I internalized? And that can be, um, really helpful as well. And we know from, you know, all the research on stereotype threat, that the messages that we get in the culture do affect how we hear, how we feel about ourselves and then how we perform. So for example, if women are asked to just check a box of their gender before they take a math test, they will perform far worse on the math test than those who didn't have to check the box of their gender Mm, because being reminded of their gender, right, activates that inner critic voice around their own ability as a woman at math. So there's a lot of um, kind of, you know, back and forth relationship of how those external um, influences shape what the inner critic says. But what I found is we all have, it, it doesn't cause the inner critic that the cause is how we're hardwired and the safety instinct. Mm. It just shapes how the inner critic might manifest for each individual. Yeah. You had yeah. two terms that I have no idea what they mean. Mm, um, yeah. One was Pashad and the Pahad. other, Pahad. I see, I can't even pronounce it. And Yira, how do you pronounce that and, one too? Yeah. So Pahad and Yira. And you say we and, should be run less by Pahad and more be more comfortable with Yira. Yeah. What does that so mean? What the heck are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these are two words. They're actually uh, ancient Hebrew words. They're Old Testament terms. And, and there are a few, few different words for fear in the Old Testament stories. And these are two of the terms. And their definitions are so relevant in a contemporary context. It's pretty amazing. So pachad, the definition is it's the fear of imagined things or projected things. Like when we project the story of what might happen, when we imagine the worst case scenario, right? And this is the kind of fear we've been talking about Um, with safety instinct. It tends to be overreactive. It can really mislead us. Um, It's it's always anticipating something about the future. And so we do want to be less run by that because it does tend to not be grounded in the best analysis of the truth, especially when it comes to those emotional risks around making change. Yura 
has three definitions. It's the feeling we feel when we are inhabiting a larger space than we're used to. It's what we feel when we suddenly have more energy than we normally are in possession of. And it's what we feel in the presence of the sacred, sort of a three-part definition. Mm. So this is actually when Moses is at the burning bush, this is the word just used to describe how he feels. So as a coach, when I read that, it was like, oh, well, that's the moment, you know, in any great coaching session, that moment where your client is like really in touch with their own truth, that's sacred. When they're... Um, Stepping into what they love, they have a lot more energy than they normally have, right? Like we all do when we're practicing our passions and doing what we love. When we're taking up more space in the world or maybe having a bigger job or having more visibility, there's this exhilaration and fear. And so it's very powerful to just start to separate the two kinds of fear in your life. Like, and you can both think about what are the things you've done in your life or career that brought that feeling of your raw like a huge infusion of energy, of spaciousness, of sacredness. And we don't want to pull away from that. And we don't want to confuse it with regular old fear because it's actually really precious and telling us like, go more in that direction, go more in that direction. Hmm. Fear is good. We keep hearing it, like snuggle up close to a certain kind of fear. <laughs> we keep hearing that on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a guidepost, you know, to help you figure out what direction you need to head in. I like that you also leave some room for your readers and community members and the people you coach to do what you call recover and restore. That it's not all out there all day, every day in that you're raw place because you just, you'd fry, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I really believe in that, you know, back and forth. And I think I, I very much try and live that too of, you do some of the things in your day that stretch you and that make your adrenaline, you know, course through your veins and that um, you sort of have to gear up your courage for. But then you also get cozy and watch your favorite Netflix thing with your favorite comforting warm beverage, right? And just recharge. We and, are nodding. And, <laughs> yeah, ladies right? are nodding. <laughs> it's really, that's, you know, the, and, and I think sometimes, especially for women, self-care kind of gets conflated with like getting a pedicure, a manicure, things that aren't really actually that recharging for all of us. So for all of us to think about like what does really recover, bring recovery and restoration for you and to do those things and give yourself permission. You said something that, it's a little perplexing to me because something I struggle with. Um, you say there's no such thing as self-discipline or willpower. Now, I don't have a whole lot of self-discipline or willpower, but I thought it existed. Why do you say <laughs> there's no such thing? Well, it's interesting when you read and you know, actually study the history of the concept of self-discipline. It's more of a literary history than a scientific history. In other words, there was, you know, the idea, so the, the word discipline comes from the same root as disciples. So it has to do with the idea of a, you know, a teacher and a student, a very clear hierarchical relationship that, that you know, existed between people, right? Um, and then um, that there was sort of an invention, like an imagined idea of self-disciplining, of creating a teacher and a student within ourselves, that one part of ourselves was going to direct the rest. But that concept wasn't grounded in scientific research. It was more of like an, an imaginative invention, like a moral, you know, moral um, idea. And Americans say that the number one reason that they aren't fulfilling their goals is a lack of self-discipline and willpower. That it is, it is almost universal that people feel they lack the willpower they're supposed to have. So that's another clue to us <laughs> that this idea we have that there's this thing called self-discipline that is supposed to allow us to accomplish whatever we set our minds out to. There's something wrong with that idea. And the more we understand about the brain, the more we know there's a lot of competing impulses and motivations in different parts of us that come from different parts of our evolutionary history. And they kind of fight it out with each other. There's really not one boss in charge, as everyone knows, because we've all with our conscious mind said, I'm going to stop eating sugar today. I'm going to, you know, um, stop checking my phone obsessively today. And we find we don't have a boss in our head that can control all of our 
um, our impulses and actions. So I'm really a fan of like drop that narrative and instead start asking yourself, what do, what, what are all the supports I need to set up for myself and in my life to make a change that I want to make? In other words, if let's say you want to cut out sugar to really look at like, what are all the things I truly need to do that sustainably? And if it fails one day, then all you know from that day is, I guess I didn't have everything in place I needed to do that sustainably. And that might be support people. It might be what's in and out of your house. It might be the supplements that you're taking. I mean, we could look all right all at all the different forms that support could take. But if it's not working, let's be kind of, um, let's, let's put on our lab coats, like, and look with a curious lens at like, what more needs to be here then for that to work instead of simply blaming ourselves and throwing this blanket will, willpower term over it. When for most of us, you know, I think most of us could say, we always feel like we're lacking in willpower, like most Americans do. And when we look back at what helped us achieve our goals, we're never like, yep, it was the willpower that did it. (laughs) So so (laughs) true. true. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Before the break, we've been talking about willpower. Now we want to switch gears a tiny bit and talk about something a little weird. You you talk about being an arrogant idiot, but in a positive way. You're and encouraging how women is that possible? to kind of take this on as a challenge. Be an arrogant idiot. Now this is... We're perplexed. How can this be good? Right, right. This is one of my 10 rules for brilliant women is be an arrogant idiot. And of course, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but we can trust that we're not going to become arrogant idiots. I think that, uh, you know, there is a there is a really, really strong tendency among brilliant women to underestimate 
themselves, underestimate their knowledge. This is, you know, also documented in the research that women really tend to underestimate their capabilities and and men do the opposite. And so I say, you know, just slide a couple more inches in the arrogant idiot direction. If you're doing what you think an arrogant idiot would do, you're probably like just moving a little bit more. Totally in the reasonable range still. You're totally in the reasonable range. You're just really trusting your voice, your ideas. And I just see it so commonly that, um, you know, women, you know, we now are, we're outperform, girls are outperforming boys in school. Women spend more years in school than men. We have more advanced degrees. And part of the pattern that's emerging is that we're, we're really good students and we like being in student mode and we're comfortable being learners. And so women will often feel like, I need to do more research and more research and more research. Oh, guilty or, as charged. Right? <laughs> yes. Lisa's <laughs> boring into me with her blue eyes. <laughs> I, you know, I see, or I see this all the time, even after like women, colleagues of mine will get a book contract and they got the book contract because of their voice and their work. And then they think what it means to write this book is to go to the library and read everything that anyone else has written on the subject. And it's like, that's not what they wanted. They wanted you, (laughs) right. Or entrepreneurs saying, you know, I gotta, I gotta study every single other thing that's out there before. So to really feel more ready, I think that's part of the area, you know, the arrogant idiots just like, Oh yeah, I already know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to walk in here and tell everybody what's what. So we want to scoot a little bit in that direction. We have plenty of room to lean that way. It's funny, it reminds me in in my job search, I had this interesting encounter with um, someone who's uh, who's known me for years, and I was asking her to introduce me to someone, and she said, you know, I have an idea for you. Instead of just sending me a link to your LinkedIn and your resume, why don't you put together a one sheet like this? And then she said, don't throw up when you see this. This is something that's been making the rounds um, in my company and everybody thinks this guy is amazing and we should bring him in and talk to him. Anyway, he's just a he's just a straight up photographer. There's nothing impressive about him, but he's made himself this. This is a nude picture of himself. Oh, yeah. Well <laughs> it, it, it was a a picture of himself for sure, nice and big. But it was also this just incredibly, you know, hyper spun version of his accomplishments. Oh, yeah. and she basically being and an I, arrogant idiot. Yeah, he, I mean that was really arrogant idiot stuff. And she said to me, "If you go ahead, make a one sheet on yourself like this. It's a little more sort of fast and loose, and and condenses everything down. Um, and stick a picture of yourself in there. And no matter what, I promise you, it will it will not be a tenth of as obnoxious as this guy's one sheet is. But it will it will get more notice here." So I did it, and it did get more notice, and I did, you know, end up getting a bunch of interviews from it. But it was such an uncomfortable thing to do. I mean, Tara, I know, I know why you're coaching this because I needed to be, I needed to like flog myself through the process. Yeah, and one of the things that we talk about as well is um, replacing the word self promotion with the word visibility, mm. because for most women, the term self promotion just sounds so repugnant, and they don't want to do that, and they don't want to, you know, play the politics. But we know that if you're not aware of <clears throat> making your good work visible, it doesn't get the attention it deserves. So I find for a lot of women, they find the term visibility a lot more comfortable to think about who do I want my work and myself to be visible to? Mm -hmm. And then what would I need to do for it to be visible? And then also sometimes thinking about the purpose, like your, your why, who do you want to serve? Who do you want to impact for the good? And remembering, ultimately, I'm putting together this one sheet because there's something I want to do in the world or communicate that I think is for the good. And this is in the service of that. That can help us a lot when it just feels like, oh, this is so, you know, this is making my skin crawl to have to promote myself in this way. Yeah. I mean, we're living in a weird time of a weird sort of Instagram universe. <laughs> and it is, it, I think it does make it sort of hard. It's, yeah. it's hard to, to to think to yourself, yeah, I want to take that on and I want to well, that's why she talks about, about leaping endlessly. because otherwise you would resist and you resist and resist. And sometimes you just got to jump off the cliff, right? Yeah. And when we talk about um, leaping in the playing big courses, we're talking about this very specific thing. That's a great way to go through a transition process too, which is to break things down into one to two week actions, actions you can take in that period of time 
that you call a leap. And a leap you always are going to treat as an experiment. So if, for example, you are going to, let's say, do three informational interviews, that's kind of your leap for the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. Normally, what we would do is say, you know, that's going to be successful if the people like me and have opportunities for me and it's not successful if it's not. But how can you frame that as an experiment? So what are you trying to find out? Maybe I'm trying to find out, is this a direction I like more? Is this, um, are, are people in this industry feeling like a good fit for me? You know, chemistry wise and culture wise. So you're always successful in the leap because you framed the goal as learning something Hmm. and you will always come back with that learning. And you can even apply, you know, you could apply for jobs and say, this experiment is, do people like my resume formatted this way? (laughs) And if you, then if you find out the answer was a resounding, no, you're like, now I learned that important thing. Now I'm going on to the next revision of my resume. So that framing can make every step along the way, an important learning milestone and a success. Yeah. I mean, I can actually see applying this advice to, you know, women who are newly single or single period and getting and and dating. Like I keep, I, when I'm talking to my single friends, sometimes they, I feel like they are seeing every date, every encounter with a guy as a referendum on their attractiveness and their wantability. And I think you know, I always want to say to them, well, did you like him? I mean, <laughs> was he interesting? What yeah. did you think? Did you yeah. did you do something fun? <laughs> did you get to do something fun? Um, you know, I wonder if that's kind of similar. I've never called it anything, but that's definitely... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think your whole concept of playing big, and we talked about this earlier, is equally applicable in our personal lives as our professional lives. I think a lot of women focus on their professional life and lives and put themselves out there, but then in their personal lives shrink. And like you're saying with these dating, these are high-powered women yeah. in executive positions who suddenly become little girls when they are meeting new people and going out on dates and, and judging themselves. And give themselves. away all the power to yeah. the guy on the other side of the table yeah. to make them feel good or bad about how it went. So living big mm-hmm. is univer- about all areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all the same tools can be applied. So how does your inner critic come up when you're getting ready for a date? What's the emotional risk, right, that your inner critic does not like about you going on a date? And then how what's, you know, giving that voice a character and letting it be there, but knowing it's just the inner critic or, you know, can you go on a date? Like, can you walk through the whole thing as your inner mentor would approach it? Mm. Right. Your inner mentor is definitely asking whether she likes the guys, not whether. (laughs) Right. They like her guys or gals. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So all the tools apply. And we, I, you know, it's always neat to see like a woman will come into the course for her profession. But then you know, I always think of one woman who her father went into hospice right when she went in the course. And she said, I'm using every single one of these tools to advocate for him because I have to constantly speak up hmm. in the medical system and in this facility. And I, I need all of these same tools. So it, it absolutely, you know, runs through um, every aspect of life. Yeah. I mean, I would say the biggest, the biggest leap I've seen my sister take is when she adopted my niece, Tira, mm-hmm. um, from Ethiopia. And, you know, for, she had wanted to become a mom for years and years. And the relationship piece of it just wasn't, she couldn't, she couldn't unlock that box. And, um, and so she, wrestled also for years with, should I become a single mom? Do I have the bandwidth? Can I do it? And, um, you know, ultimately, we as her family members rallied around her. But first, we questioned a lot, I have to say. And I look back on it and I think, oh my God, how could we have questioned this? Because she's such a terrific mom and tears in our life and she's a miracle for all of us. And, you know, it, it just, um, it, was, it was a fantastic thing once, once she silenced her inner critic who was saying, maybe I'll be a bad mom. Maybe I, you know, maybe I, I can't handle this. Maybe I'll get too stressed out. And also, frankly, her freaking family who was worried. I mean, we did it from a place of love. We were really worried for her. We thought it might be too much. Um, Once she shut us all up and went and I went with her and we picked up Tira. And I remember distinctly watching her hold Tira for the first time and, um, I think it's possible that that Amy was the first white person Tara had ever encountered. And um, she was hysterical, crying. She had just been taken away from her caregiver who'd, who'd cared for her mm. all, all, all six months of her life there. 
And um, Amy just was such a natural from the first second, first time holding her baby, you know, like just such a natural. And um, I noticed that while Tara was wailing, I mean, really wailing, she was also clinging to Amy, like with everything she had, her like little hands were all caught up in her hair and her sweater. And I just thought, Mm. oh, this is going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be good. And it has been. It really has Mm. been. Yeah. And it, I mean, that story illustrates such a beautiful point around um, that often other people cannot understand our playing big dream or the vision that has come to us. So this is what I want my future to look like. A lot of times our family and even friends are not supportive and don't really get it at first and might react with a protective, well-intentioned, but often with maybe some fear in there or Oh, yeah. um, that, there was that kind of, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think that again is, it's one of the reasons that it's powerful to have, a, have the tools to kind of hold on and, and the vocabulary like inner mentor, like inner critic to hold on to where you're going and kind of have a map of that journey for yourself, because it's very common that the people around us don't, you know, they don't, um, stand don't up and get give us a standing first. ovation yeah. when we make the announcement. They don't yeah. get it for a long time. Yeah. When, and sometimes ever. Yeah. Well, thank you for being so creative with these tools. I think they, oh, they're, they're pretty mind blowing and thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Um, thank you so me. much for everyone listening. If you want to follow and connect with Tara Moore, uh, on Twitter, you can do that at Tara Sophia and at Tara Moore, that's M-O-H-R.com. And connect with us at U-Turns Podcast and let us know your stories of living big. Well, we're going to just jump right into the experiential here. So... We could all close our eyes for a moment and just imagine one of your favorite places in nature. So a place that you love to go, place that you find beautiful or calming. And just give yourself a minute to imagine yourself strolling along in that beautiful place. And then notice that somewhere in your view, you see a little little home, a little dwelling place. And imagine for a moment that yourself, 20 years in the future, is waiting for you there. And you can make your way to the door and see as that older self comes to greet you. And she's so happy that you're here. And then if you're in a transition right now, or maybe you're thinking about a transition, There's probably a lot of questions on your mind. And just go ahead and ask her one of those questions. Might be, should I do thing A or thing B? Should I stay or should I go? Whatever the question is, go ahead and ask her. And she might answer you with words or just with a facial expression. And then see if there's anything else she really wants you to know as you're moving through this transition. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. How was that for you? What happened for you, you both? It was pretty. It was 
really powerful exercise, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept wondering what kind of haircut I would have in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't. I don't want a bun like my grandmother. I don't want really short hair. It took me a while to adjust right. to the visual of my future self. Uh, yeah, and and what did she <clears throat> present with? Uh, kind of the same hair I have now. Just a little bit shorter. Yeah, the trim. But yeah. Yeah. Did she give you any different? flavor or take on the question you asked than you would have otherwise had? Um, probably not because I think, I think we all, it's a great exercise for taking us to a place where, where we may not have been open or honest with ourselves, but it's not an answer that we don't know is coming. I don't think there are ever like huge dramatic surprises, like, you know, should I marry this man? No, he's a disaster. Because you kind of, it's inside you, right? It's kind of been nagging there underneath the surface. Um, so no, she, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting point because for some people they'll do this and they'll hear a message that reinforces what they maybe have heard in a whisper, as you're saying, or they knew in some level at their, at their in their gut, but they weren't listening to, or they were rationalizing away, or they weren't comfortable accepting. Tara, thank you so thank much. Thank you. It was really I fascinating. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.